Welcome. You're listening to WO Voices, a podcast series from Women in Optometry magazine. I'm Marjolyn Bailefeld, editor of Women in Optometry. We're delighted you could join us. We're here today with Rachel Rubel, ODFAAO. Dr. Rubel is the vice president of the North Carolina Optometric Society. Um, she's a recent CIA Award winner, as well as the 2018 Young Optometrist of the South and the 2017 Young Optometrist of North Carolina. Dr. Rubel owns two practices, Belmont Eye in Belmont and North Lake Eye in Charlotte, North Carolina. She's a co-owner of both of those. Um, so welcome, first of all. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Great. Now let's let's talk again a little bit about the first contract. I know you told the story about how you uh, redlined your your first contract <laughs> and were pleasantly surprised by the the negotiations that kind of uh, resulted from that. How frightening was that? Oh, it was it was very scary. I did not want to go back and talk about any of the items that my residency director had thought might be some good talking points to maybe improve upon. And I, I thought there's no way I can do that. And over the years, I find that it was not just me that thought that. Most ODs do think that. And we get that contract or right out of school and all we want to do is react. We want to sign it really fast. We're going from no salary to, hey, I've got this. And our brains take over and it becomes very emotional. But in reality, I think we just need to slow down a little bit and look at uh, what we have and uh, see what is out there and what we can do with it. Um, one of the things I found with salary, for example, is you've really got to know your worth and it's varying throughout the whole U.S. I mean, a geographic area can be different from one area and 10 miles away outside of a metropolitan area be a different salary. Yeah. And that's probably even more pronounced if you're looking outside of your state or outside of the expertise area of your university, for example. You got it. So it just depends what modality you're in as well. So I find that you really want to be prepared looking at different things, not just going, well, I'm worth this. You never want to say that. You want to do your research. There's areas like you can look at the classifieds in your state for those areas and see what are other um, practices offering in, in certain modalities. Um, Salary Wizard or ODs on Facebook also can give some good insight in what may be a fair salary offer in that area. And you want to look at your experience you have and maybe any specialties you carry along with it that can add to a potential salary. Right. And of course, the contract is more than just money, more than just salary. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. You don't want to focus on a salary. You want to look at the whole package. What are any bonuses, incentives, benefits or perks that you may have? I think add that entire package up together, and that's what's really being offered. It's not just about that base salary, and I know that's a number that we can get focused on because, again, we're going from not having anything to, hey, I'm going to have this salary, but what else is entailed with right. that? So how do you assess this all? I mean, what's what kind of what do you look for if you're helping somebody review his or her package contract? So there's a couple of key things I do like to look at. One of them is the non-compete. Uh, the non-compete, it can be very broad. I've seen some contracts where it'll say, 
10 miles from every location that the practice is located. Well, there's some practices that are in multiple states. I mean, that could really eliminate you from practicing somewhere else. And is that negotiable? I have found it can be very negotiable. Um, I've had a couple contracts I've negotiated in myself, along with many other ODs. Recently at an OD, his, his was 10 miles from every location. We ended up getting that down to five miles for his primary location that he practices at more than 60% of the time. Oh. So we thought that was very fair using that primary location. And uh, we I use a website called freemaptools.com, and it helps you really see that radius and put it in perspective, you know, how far is it. Right. So the non-compete is an element to look at. What What are some of mm-hmm. the other elements you... One of them I like to look at is... Um, like the length of the contract. Um, and this came up recently. I had a doctor talk to me about, she signed a five-year contract with a practice, mm-hmm. great practice. And after five years, she has not received any increase in salary, any increase in any benefits. So she really liked it there. She wanted to become a partner. So we talked about ways to talk with her employer about what she could do Um, for future development and talk about partnership. In the end, it came down to they weren't looking for a partner and they really couldn't increase her salary, gave her an extra week vacation. We went through all these different factors that were important to her. So she decided, you know, after five years, um, she was going to leave the practice and she was disappointed because she had been there for so long. So I think that's one of the things to look at is that length of contract. You maybe start out with a one-year contract and then build upon it from there. And her five-year contract didn't talk about annual or performance increases? Unfortunately, it did not. And that is something I do recommend. I think it can be a, a win-win for both the employer and employee, where you set goals for yourself and the practice. And it gives you something to strive and achieve for. And in the end, you've got the employer uh, seeing that you're helping build their practice. Right. And you're benefiting from the work that you're doing. And obviously, so is the uh, so is the owner. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, One of the other elements is whether you're completely constrained to working with that one practice. What do do contracts talk about moonlighting opportunities? Yes. Great question. This is um, the one I have seen come up so frequently. Um, A lot of practices have moonlighting clauses where they do not allow any moonlighting to be done. And moonlighting may not be for everyone, but at some point, someone may want to work a Saturday a month to make that extra student loan payment or go on a great vacation. So that contract can really restrict you from earning an additional source of income. So I've had doctors um, during negotiations Uh, ask the employer, tell me your thoughts behind moonlighting in this clause. I always like those open-ended questions because it can get the employer talking more and giving you information that can help understand where they're coming from. And some of the doctors I've heard say, well, it's competition. I don't want you competing with my practice. Mm -hmm. So I've had a, a doctor say, well, what if I'm 30 miles away? Would that be okay in that way, I'm not competing against the practice. And this wasn't a metropolitan area. And I am able to earn that additional income. 
and the doctor was okay with that. So they put that in the contract. It's got to be at least 30 miles away from their location. Um, I had another employer recently say, well, if you want that extra income, why don't we open up on Saturdays at our office? And that's always an option. And you kind of want to look at that and say, well, since it is a Saturday, maybe you could get time and a half or a percentage of optical sales for that Saturday just because you are, are you are helping to continue to build that practice. Right. Right. That's interesting, too, because, again, that's one of those situations where the practice is going to benefit also, presumably, from additional sales and exams. Absolutely. It kind of it has the employee is invested and has that drive where the employer does benefit from all of that. Now, you mentioned um, this, this woman who had the five-year contract and had hoped to become a partner at some day. Mm-hmm. When is the ideal time to talk about partnership? Well, that's a good question. I always say it's never too early to start because it puts the idea in the employer's head. So I think during your first interview, you can always ask, you know, what are your goals for the practice? How do you foresee the future of the practice? Again, those open-ended questions to kind of see what they're thinking and what are, what do they want to do for their future. Mm-hmm. And you may even talk about, they say, well, I am looking for a partner. That is not a bad idea to put in your initial contract saying after X amount of time, if you've reached these goals, we can talk about a partnership. I have seen and heard so many doctors that have talked partnership with their employers, but then when the time came, it was just like, well, let's talk again in a year or maybe next year. And you just kind of get frustrated at that point. So I never think it hurts to put it in the contract um, to have that point, that time to discuss it. Are those discussions triggered by simply the length of time that has passed or performance indicators? I mean, is there one way that works better than another? I think it's a combination of um, both, actually. I think you want to have time to build into the practice, to become acclimated with the environment, with the staff, the other doctors. And then you also want to make sure if you do become a partner, is it sustainable? Are you able to meet um, revenue goals, patient goals within the practice? And once you're, you know, you could set those goals and once you're there and it shows to be financially stable, um, then that's when the employer could say, well, let's do this. Let's make it a partnership. So writing all of this into a contract potentially creates quite a document, but are you suggesting that the more that's actually hammered out, the better? Yes and no. You don't want to... put every single detail in the contract because then the employer's kind of going, you know, what's going on? This this is too much. They're overanalyzing. I just, I just wanted to hire a doctor to go and work. Um, but I do think just simple, doesn't have to be drawn out, like one or two line statements about there is a potential for partnership that will be reevaluated on this date if a few of these goals are met or the moonlighting. Um, moonlighting is an option if they're X amount of miles away from the practice. Mm-hmm. Just very simple clauses, just so they know it. it's in there. I have found in the past something can get talked about, but if it's not written down and you go back, we're like, wait, you said that. Well, it never actually happened. There's no documentation of it. Right, right. Now, of course, employee contracts are, are one thing, but 
so are partnership contracts, and you are a co-owner in two practices, correct? Yes. Yes, I am. So are there contracts on these? Uh, one of them is with my husband, so... <laughs> So there's that a different kind is, of contract there. Yes. <laughs> yes. So that one is uh, very, very vague. Um, the one, my other one is with uh, Dr. Ryan Court, who um, is a phenomenal partner, um, OD that's from Michigan, where I'm from. And we put a deal together, basically structured to see what our strengths are, what we're both going to bring to the practice and how we want to structure the practice where it's fair. And in the beginning, it was just, it flowed. We had this magic contract. I call it magic because, I mean, literally, it was just put out there and we both agreed upon everything. And it has uh, been two years now and it has worked great. Now, that doesn't always happen, but contracts are important to kind of um, dictate what's going to happen next. And... So, of course, with with partnerships, people come in not necessarily as equals. I mean, one person may have more money. Um, Correct. And is that kind of a a place to address those types of issues? Yeah, it is. Um, In a, especially when, if you're coming out of school, you're an associate, you may come into a practice as a partner but you may have a different level. You may be a 20% owner or a 49% owner um, where you buy in at a different level, depending on what you can do uh, financially at that time and what the employer may be ready to sell at that time as well. And you've got to figure out what's the best uh, way to come together and get a mutually agreed upon contract to work together. Can you negotiate corporate contracts? You can. Um you can. I actually have a corporate contract with uh, Dr. Court. And interestingly enough, I didn't know how corporate contracts were really structured. I thought, well, if you want one, you can just go and get it. Well, that's not the case in all areas. Um, there was a contract available and I was very upfront with them, said I'm interested and thought I'd be the only one. They'd hand me the contract and we'd be good to go. But I said, you know, I asked them, you know, are you look, talking to anyone else? And they were very open, said, oh, yeah, we've got three prospective candidates, and we're going to vet all three of you guys, and we're going to see who's the best mm. fit for us. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize it happened that way. Um, in the end, I, I did get offered the contract, but they wanted me to sign a five-year lease. And I was going, oh, what if that doesn't work out? And that's something you can talk to them about. I talked with them and said, you know, I want to make this work. We wanted it to be a win-win for everyone, but a five-year lease, I feel, really ties in both sides. So we talked about, let's do a one-year lease. Let's get to know each other. Let's figure out how we're going to work and build the practice together with the opportunity of a five-year lease following, and they were very agreeable That's on that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then uh, monthly rent, you know, you get that number and... I was going, oh, wow, okay. I was uh, taking over a practice that the doctor was retiring. And so I think it's really good to always ask for as much information as you can get. Um, I asked for all of his appointment books. Um, I even asked for his tax returns, even though it was his practice. Um, he was very open to giving me everything. And I was able to take all the information to see how the practice was doing and look to see, okay, if we continue just at that level, were we able to afford rent, staff, all the overhead? 
And talking with the corporate team, I just felt like we had some work to do within the practice to help it grow. Let's look at a different rent structure in the beginning. And they understood and they were very open. They said, well, what do you think? I like to give ranges. Um, I've read a lot of books about giving a range from X to X, say like 800 to 1200 a month. And sometimes I even get to $887.12. And they're going, well, where did you come up with these numbers? And I'm like, well, I did the research. This is what, you know, we can afford and to survive and to continue to grow. And I think that shows that you, you're trying to figure it out and that they're seeing you, you put the time and effort into it and that you want to see everyone uh, grow. So they were, again, open to changing that rent uh, structure as well. Right, that you can uh, get down to, to those different kinds of elements of the, of the contract. Yeah, you really can. Um, I find corporate contracts are really structured on how many days a week you're open and how many doctors per day. Mm-hmm. A little different than private right. practice. Um, and that's also something I think just talking with the other side and this is not a conflict negotiation. It's more of a two mutual parties wanting to see growth and achieve the same goal. And how can we get there? Um, and the pay, people can be very open to what you have to suggest. It's just the communication has right. to be clear. Now, of course, somebody else that you essentially contract with would be banks. And how mm-hmm. does that negotiation go? So banks, yeah, bank loans, I always thought were uh, cut and dry. You go to a bank, you ask for a loan, they go, here's here's what it is. But I've come to find out that now, you know, anytime I, I need a bank loan or if someone does, I go, go to five banks. You know, two banks may turn you down, three banks may give you offers. Well, then take the offers that you do have and compare them. Compare, you know, the percentage, the length of the loan, any prepayment penalties, um, down payments. So compare everything on paper and then go back to each bank and just say, well, here's what I'm really looking for. Kind of set that target goal, what you think is feasible that you can do and go back to each bank and say, you know, I really need to be here and -hmm. see what they come back with. All three banks will come back with something else because they'll know you'll be talking to other banks as well. What else goes into kind of a, a business analysis? There might be quite a few docs that have not reviewed their merchant service contract in many years. I had a doctor tell me, he goes, I set it up when I opened 10 years ago. <laughs> and so that's one thing I find yearly and my merchant service team knows I do this. I just did this in December. I said, let's review where we're at, um, what all my fees were for the year. I even go out and I just get another comparison um, from another company and just to make sure I'm in line with where I need to be. And I know it can be a pain to change something like merchant service. But if you look at what a potential savings is, um, it could be well worth it. Uh, Vendors, I always feel, have opportunities. We just have to be wise enough to ask. And you ask um, because you know, or you you ask because you are curious? (laughs) I ask because I don't know. If I get a no, I go, okay, well, I asked. I uh, just getting to know the other side and always asking the questions, you know, what else could could you do to help us out? I want to help your company grow and you want to help mine. And asking the questions can sometimes lead you down paths you weren't expected. Right. That's interesting. Yeah, that's a, such an important uh, 
a question to ask, you know, what can we do together? Exactly. And one other area that um, isn't exactly an employment contract, but it, it certainly will, would ultimately affect the bottom line is uh, property purchases. Yeah. Um, uh, some doctors may be uh, wanting to purchase a location for their uh, practice instead of just renting a location and kind of building that asset. We bought a building recently and talked with the real estate agent and said, you know, what should we offer? And they're like, I don't know. What are you comfortable with? We're going, okay. <laughs> we'll do our own research. Um, did all of our research, found out what the value, what the tax value was, what other properties, all the comparables were going for. And we asked our real estate broker, we said, well, you just go ask them, why are they selling? Um, find out about his family, find out about uh, how long he's been there, you know, what what he's l- looking to get out of it. So our real estate agent, he seemed kind of frustrated, like, ah, oh, man, I just want to, you know, want them to make an offer and be done with it. Well, he came back to us and said, and he told us all kinds of information. He found out that the he was trying just to get the new tax value on the building because it had just been reassessed in our area. And we're going, bingo. We, we know the new tax value. It's actually lower than we think it should be for our area. We're going, great. We'll offer him tax value and be done. And um, it, it worked out really well. But just kind of knowing all that research, what can you afford to pay? What are all the comparables in the area? Is it a good long-term investment? Could you rent it out if you had to? Right. But always a good asset to have. Yeah. So how much time and expertise does it take to review any kind of contract? I think a uh, new employee contract, you know, I typically, when I review them, I spend just a couple hours going through because every area is different. You've got to know that geographic area, what's out there, how many jobs are available, what are the going rates for that area, what expertise can you bring to that area. So you want to make sure all the research is done. A lot of the uh, benefits can be very similar among practices, and you just want to make sure it's a a fair contract so everyone on both sides meets a mutual endpoint. And do people expect you to negotiate? I think employers put the contract out there and go, well, it'd be great if they just sign it and just be done. You know, as, as an employer myself of a few doctors, I'm going, I just want them to sign it, be done. But the ones that do come and say, hey, can we talk about some of the things I've been reviewing it? I've been talking with other doctors in the area. You know, I think that shows that they're, they've done their research. That's a, that's a good thing. They, they care about this. They want to talk about it and they're aware right. what's in their contract. Um, and that, that can be a good thing. I know it seems scary, but we're just talking to each other like humans. It's not, you know, it's not a heated discussion like million dollar listing where they're battling back and forth on costs and pricing. It's just one-on-one talking with one another to meet a mutual endpoint. That's a great way of looking at it. Makes it uh, seem less daunting, perhaps. <laughs> right. Because they, you know, they have the same degree um, that, you know, employers, employees have the same degree. It's just... They've had a little more time in business and, you know, they're there. Everyone wants to help one another. It's just trying to open and be communicative with one another. Dr. Rubel, thank you so much for uh, unpacking the, the, the process a little bit for us um, and providing that perspective. It's such a pleasure to have you on. Of course, it was my pleasure. 
Thank you for listening. I hope you join us again next time on WL Voices. If you'd like to be part of our podcast series, please contact us. You can email us at wovoicesonline at gmail.com or via our website, womeninoptometry.com, on Facebook at WL Magazine, or through Twitter or Instagram at WomenODs. See you next time.